Welcome to Tangents. I'm Susan Farley, Project Manager with McLaughlin Research Corporation, and I support the Public Affairs Office at Division Newport. We're celebrating Engineers Week here at Division Newport, and what better guest to have than our Chief Engineer, Joe Gabriel. He's got a great perspective on the engineering work being performed at the Warfare Centers, and he's just an all-around good guy to talk to. We have a nice long conversation, and I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Happy Engineers Week, everyone. Joe, welcome to Tangents. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and uh, help you celebrate and help us all celebrate Engineers Week. Great. So um, when I first met you, it was years ago, you were the chief engineer for Code 25, and I was taking meeting minutes at a Chang Council meeting. And you just stuck out to me because you were, um, your, I loved your energy, super chill, and you were very focused and determined and like just the way that you went about doing things like was very notable to me. And when, you know, as people move on and you became the Chang for Division Newport, I thought, great, they picked exactly the right person. I was so pleased. So let's talk about that. Yes. You've been here for 30 years, which is crazy. Does it seem like it flew by? You know, parts of it seem like they flew by. I I moved here. You know, I'm not from here. And so, you know, it's kind of... um, you know, parts of me think back to that 30 years and think how young I was and the different things I did. And, and But it's been a, quite a ride um, and journey. And I'm at an age where my peers are beginning to retire. And a common theme when you talk to somebody that's retiring is they look back at their accomplishments and they reframe them. So, you know, I look back at some jobs I really, really loved, but, I, you know, it brings me back to the teams. I always enjoyed working as part of a team. Uh, we work at teams, not everything we do. You know, much of what we do is very challenging. And you provided that Chang Council example. You know, as engineers, you know, we're faced with a problem, and we come at it from different perspectives. And it's kind of the diversity of point of view and perspectives. And, you know, we do. We learn to listen to each other and figure out what's the right path through this. And sometimes it doesn't seem like the optimal path. But, um, but it's working as a team. And, and I think because a team facing those challenges, we look back and, and, you know, people that are retiring always cite the teams of people they worked, worked with. So, yes, parts, parts of me say it went, went fast, but I look back at, you know, I think about myself when, it, when I first came, you know, in those early years, and it sure feels a little lot different. So sometimes it feels like it's been a long time, too. Well, could you walk us through it? Like, where did you go to school? How did you end up yeah. at Newick? What, what was kind of your pathway once you were here? Yeah, so I... So I went to Clarkson University in upstate New York. I'm, I'm from upstate New York in Syracuse, and I, I graduated as an electrical engineer. And I went to work for General Electric. I was down at Newport News Shipyard for the first three years of my career. And, and you know, when I was in college, I didn't know I was going to spend my career working for the military. I didn't know what my future was going to be. But, but I ended up working on boomers, SSBNs, every day with the sailors. They were my age. Um, it was inspiring. We were essentially working three shifts around the clock. We were working in the Missile Command Control Center, and we were doing um, bringing, bringing kind of grooming and testing that system. Had my first opportunity to go out to sea. Um, it felt important. I, I felt at that in that time frame I was a cold warrior, you know. So if you, you know, you think back, if you're a young employee, you know there there have been different phases of my career where it felt. 
um, you know, that, that, that our mission was very different. But we felt like we were cold warriors, and that felt like my work was very important. And I was all in. So, you know, my, the first three years of my career, I, was a, I felt like I was, I was a submarine, Navy. I felt like I was all in. And that led to I wanted to move from T&E. I wanted to build the systems and design the systems. So I started to interview um, and I was interviewing with NGE. My roommate at the time's brother worked here in Div Newport, and I, he happened to be visiting. So he asked for a resume. I gave him a resume, but at the same time, I said, but I'm not going to go work there. I, I, don't, I don't know what that is. I, you know, I'm, and I came in an interview, and I, boy, I said, boy, this place is, is wonderful, and I loved the idea of working on the government side. I didn't have to worry about you know, who won which contract. I, you know, I could just focus on, on submarines, and it looked like a lot of systems engineering. So, so that was exciting. Um, I came here, and I went to work in what was Code 25, and or it was Code 22 at the time. It's 25 now. It's Combat, or combat Systems Department. And I worked on CCS Mark II was the system, and it was before the contract was let. But we were working acquisition. It's where I first learned about acquisition. Um, so we were doing, you know, requirements. We were doing design reviews. We were testing. Um, but the part of that story in my career I wanted to talk about was my branch head, Tony Ruggiero. Yeah, so one day he calls me into his office and he says, Joe, I think I want you to go back and get a master's degree. Wow. And so I said to him, like, you know, I was probably, I don't know, 26, 27 or something like that. I, I think I said to him at the time, I remember giving him a litany of the reasons why I was too busy. Uh, all, the, all these reasons, I wish I could remember them because I, I look back and kind of chuckle at what must have come out of my mouth. He got up, he closed the door and he said, you're going back for your master's degree. And so I remember leaving his office thinking, you know, not overly happy. Um, but in that 10 minutes, that supervisor changed my life. He must have sensed that that was something I needed to do, and he kind of put it on the table. And I ended up going back and, and getting, you know, I kept going. You know, three years after that, I had my master's degree, went to URI, and then I, you know, spent the next, you know, um, 12 years or so working on my PhD. And I was, I did that part-time. I was still, you know, fully engaged in projects, but um, I really loved it. I did not love undergrad that much, but I loved that work. And um, that supervisor, just that small amount of time um, made quite an impact with just that, you know, sending me back. He must have sensed that I needed that. And um, that worked out. So that's a good supervisor. Yes, and so that's kind of one of the themes I think you'll see in the career. And you know, a lot, you know, we're lucky because our supervisors, we work in an organization where our supervisors are engineers and scientists. Yeah. You know, so you could go work someplace where your supervisors, you know, more, you know, you're working for a business that you know your supervisors kind of got the, a business acumen. Our supervisors and leadership here. We're led by technical people that came up typically through the, through kind of the, you know the same paths, and they're engineers, and it's it's kind of one of the ways I think this is a great place to work because, um, you know, we're so technically focused, and our leadership is technically focused. So I um, so I do, I wanted to go into advanced development, 
I went out, I, I kind of moved to a different division, started working target motion analysis. So, you know, that's another thing in our, you know, working in some place like Newick gives us a chance to kind of switch, switch areas of work. And same department, but now I was in the advanced development group. And I was working projects called like Close Encounter Toolbox. We got to take that out. We've developed it here. We got to take it out on submarines. We transitioned that into the fleet. Uh, that was a very interesting project. But target motion analysis um, is, you know, you take sonar bearings and you take um, periscope or imaging and try to figure out where the contact is. And there's a lot to study with it. And I felt like I was studying with the people that invented it. So the algorithms and the math, it was very interesting. At that point, I was finishing my PhD and thought that I was on a track to go in to do research. Uh, which is kind of what I thought I wanted to do at that time, and I hit a realignment. So that's another thing that can happen is to an engineer in their career. What's that? Where you do a realignment where maybe your whole department, maybe you get a new department head, uh, and you end up uh, in a different division, right? So that's probably happened three or four times um, when I worked in that department. Happens, you know, maybe every, you know, it just happens occasionally, sometimes when there's a new department head. Or there's just a need for it. And I ended up in t &E. So here I had just finished my PhD thinking, I, you know, I started in t &E, went to systems engineering, went to advanced development. And, I, and then I went to t and &E and I, my first reaction, you know, was I was very upset. I um, didn't know what to think about it. You know, I had... We had started doing research on human performance and behavior and variability as they use the systems. So, you know, that was part of what we were looking at in advanced development. But they wanted, the leadership wanted to bring a little bit more um, of that type of analytics to the T&E process. But, you know, I didn't necessarily, you know, appreciate that at that moment. So went up there. It was the, it was the first time I actually had the thought of, you know, what do I need to do to get my career back on track? You know, like, do I need to make a big change? It's Did probably, you feel like you had gone off track? I felt like I was being put someplace that wasn't my best fit. Okay. So just because I had this, it turned out to be a wrong image. You know, I, I felt like I, as I progressed through my career and I wanted to become more technical, I had to work my way toward the research since then, I've learned that that line of thinking, and, and that's what I'm going to get to in a minute, is, 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 is really not correct. I will say the other thing is, even though I knew that I wanted to get to research, I think a theme through my career is that I've just wanted to be in a job where I made my best technical contribution. It was never, I want to be a line manager, or I want to be a chief engineer, or I want to be a TPM. It was always, my thinking was always, how can I make my best technical contribution? And if you can align your strengths with, you know, your job, then, then that, that, that kind of is very satisfying. Whereas if you sometimes get slotted into the wrong place, then, um, you know, that's not your, your, it's not your strength. So that mine... I've never plotted out my career. Now that 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 is the correct thing to do for a lot of people. I I'm not. I'll remember where I am here. But I, you know, I used to, I worked for Marie Bussier. Yeah. And she is a great leader. She was our department head, and I and she was one. I think that you know knew what she wanted to do. I think she wanted to. She and so and she pl plotted how to become a 
you know, a leader. And, and, and I think that that was right for her. And she got there because she was technically skilled in a technical organization. And I don't, I really don't have aspirations to be in a particular role. I sometimes wish I did, but I just have an aspiration to be, make my best technical contribution. And I'm willing to kind of let my career kind of just go where it goes. But when I landed back up in T&E, I didn't feel like that was the right fit for me. That was, you know, that did not feel like my, and boy, did I learn. So change happens all the time. And I embraced it. I got lucky. I embraced it. And we changed that part of the organization. Um, I was teamed up with a branch head. Mike Kalis was a new branch head. And I think together what we did was he um, built the laboratory. He hired the people. And I went off and obtained the tasking and convinced people to do this type of work and made relationships with sponsors and performed the analysis and mentored that team. And we built the Combat Systems Analysis Laboratory in 2005, and uh, that laboratory is still going, going strong. We had an amazing run. Um, we did advanced processor build projects. We worked on Valiant Shield. We could, I could name the types of projects we worked on, but it was something that you know I really learned in that time frame. And it was a long time frame. It was probably 2005 to 2014. Um, but we were deep technically into technical performance. Um, we had, you know, quite a good thing going during that time frame. And, and, and you know, I look back on it. I mentioned at the beginning, people talk about their accomplishments. In the, in the heat of battle, you know, we didn't, you know, necessarily recognize what the contribution we might be making. But in retrospect, very proud of that time. And, um, and it came out of, you know, I, I could have taken that change as not the change I wanted. But by embracing it turned out to be, you know, really wonderful. So, well, don't you think here at Newick, there's there are a lot of there's a mission and there are like subsets to that mission. You kind of have to go where you're needed, and it maybe doesn't necessarily coincide with what you want to do. So, so let me take that. So, you're right. So we're performing a mission, and that's exactly right. I went to a need. I didn't. You know, I, I wasn't in a position where I was balancing where are the most important needs in our department or our project. You know, I was looking at it more f from the type of work. Uh, there was a need. And so this is what I believe is that um, we, and I, I think I'm going to answer this a little bit later too, but we, um, I think that you could put me any place in this organization. So, so take logistics. I gave the teeny example, reliability, where there's that need. And we're engineers. And when we're given a job, it's, I think it's important to say, you know, remember I said, you know, I, you work toward your strengths to, you know, kind of apply it to a need. I don't think that you do that job the same way it's done today. You change the way that job's done. You can innovate on that job. You can, you know, change, you can kind of, you know, bring engineering solutions. So, so you could do things today like digital engineering transformation. If you're given the job of writing a specification, then you could say, well, let me innovate on that a little bit and figure out, can I do this in a model? Maybe I'll learn about, you know, MBSE. Or, you know, if you're in an acquisition job. Well, you're not going to do it the way we did it 
10 or 15 years ago, you're going to say, you know, you're going to work on DevSecOps and you're going to engineer acquisition process or you're going to, um, if you're doing testing, well, how could we automate this testing to make it happen faster? So you're going to, you know, build, you know, look into automated test tools. So I think there's engineering and science, or if you're doing system and systems to systems, you know, so we build complex systems. We're building, you might be working on one subsystem. So how can I make these system to systems work together more seamlessly with the people to accomplish a mission? So maybe I'll look at mission engineering. But every single one of those places, I, you know, I believe I could be put in because I, that I lived it. I got put into, a, you know, what I considered at the time to be a T&E process where you just went down and you pushed buttons in the test bay, which is great, right? But I think over that 10 years, we, we kind of evolved test and evaluation to include analysis and include people contribution, and we changed it. And I think that that's important to, you know, when, when you're put in any of these roles that are important, right? Like we can't pick them and you that you cited that exact thing. We engineers, the Navy needs engineers. If we don't drive some of those changes, then, um, you know, our sponsors aren't going to tell us to do things, you know, how to do things more in an innovative way. It's kind of up to us to look at it and say, well, we're going to do it slightly differently and then convince our sponsors to do it yeah. slightly differently. I saw this thing on LinkedIn the other day. It said the worst thing you could do as an organization is say, that's how we've always done things. You should yeah. never fall back on that. That's right. That's right. And I, I, I think everybody, you know, most people here would say that we have the luxury as engineers. Most of the projects we work on, it's the first time that type of engineering has been done. We're, we're, we do a lot of first offs, but that goes along with process too. Um, those processes... Um, Let's not do it the same way. We've got a lot of challenges. So an example is you hear the word get faster, right? The fleet or, you know, our higher up messages, it's not so much about the new technology in the front end, which, you know, it was always important in history and it still is, but it was particularly important. But now it's, we have capabilities. How do we get those capabilities of the warfighter faster? And that's right in our wheelhouse because we're the ones, again, that, um, kind of take those capabilities and we add reliability we you know we write the requirements we find who can build it we groom reliability we certify that it's ready uh, and we deliver it and even when other people build it and so that's the part that we can get faster and that's the part that's important to the fleet today so so yeah we, we're not doing things the same and, and so both on the product side first offs for an engineer but also the way we do processes changes do you ever feel that uh you know, NOIC or Warfare Center or NAVC sort of gets in their own way by slowing themselves down with, you know, processes and, and requirements and, and we're our own worst enemy in terms of getting things to the fleet faster. So I, so I'll answer that two ways. So I feel like uh, we sometimes slow ourselves down when it comes to IT, like NMCI, or training, or you know, some of those things can feel frustrating and slow, and they're required. So I'm not, I don't challenge that. But when it comes to executing a task, I think that we're very efficient. So I, I, I don't. I think that can sometimes be the image. But you know, this came up. You know, this comes up occasionally. Is how do we know that we are, you know, executing as efficiently? You know, how do we measure efficiency? 
you know, every task is different or the efficiency of an engineer, you know. And from my perspective is what I've lived is, say there's a task, we might propose five work years, and our sponsor will say, why don't you do that for three work years? But we'll still do, you know, we still kind of try to wiggle in the bigger solution, you know. We, you know, and so we, we kind of, you know, take on a lot. We take risks. We, 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 we try to get it done uh, in the face of it. We try to react to change. So I, I view that as a strength of the Warfare Center. People might think the government's slow. I think from a Warfare Center point of view, it's the opposite. We are nimble in terms of, you know, it doesn't take a contract change for us. It takes a sponsor saying, let's pivot and do this delivery at this time and, and give me a recommendation on, on, you know, phasing capability delivery or, you know, get, getting a hold of UWDC and changing how we operate the system guidance. So I, I view us as very efficient and nimble as the Warfare Center strength. But, you know, day to day, it can sometimes feel like we get we bog ourselves down. But I, I think that that's, you know, we figure out how to work around that. That can be very frustrating. But when it comes to our tasking, uh, I, I just see it as the opposite is true. What made you decide to become a chief engineer? So I was in, um, so I told you I started in systems engineering. I moved to advanced development. And then I kind of got reorged into T&E. So I was roughly in each of those divisions for eight years, equal amount of time. So I was sitting in that job. And again, this comes back to the supervisor. You know, Mike Kalis mentions, you know, the chief engineer job's opening. Um, and I mentioned that you might be good for that. So, you know, I, I hadn't been thinking along those lines. Like I said, I, you know, I'm one of these people that I walk around with no position aspirations. I walk around with what's my technical, you know, how can I, you know, what's my best technical contribution? And so I applied for that job and I was selected. Um, and so it started off with a kind of a, hey, you know, what do you think about that job to, you know, I think I could, I, you know, I. I started thinking about it, thinking I, I think I'm well positioned to do that job. Actually, I think I know this de department, the range of projects. And by the way, you know, in that process, from combat control side, working with Code 15, working with Code 85 on the weapons side, you know, I had had a lot of interactions with a number of different departments. So I, I felt like I was, again, make my best contribution. I think I was ready to go on and try to make that my next good contribution. Great. So uh, here's a pretty basic question. I'm, I apologize for the simplicity, but what does a Cheng do? So what do Chengs do? That's a good question. Um, so let me tell you what I do. And the first thing Chengs do, so you, you sit typically you, you know, when you're a department, Chang, you know, you're, you've, you've got a, a department leadership team that's going to be division heads. It might be the nine office, which runs the program management side of it. You've got a department head. You've got a deputy department head. And you're on, a, you're on kind of a leadership team. And I'll, I'll just start by saying it, the same thing happened at the Div Newport level. Um, you know, I feel like my first job is to... I'm on staff almost to my TD, the CO, the DTDs. 
Um, so we have a certain action items that come in. Uh, maybe an investigation occurs. So if something doesn't go right, you know, right now, you know, uh, Ron Veen at, at, at the last live stream talked about embrace the red. So we've always done investigations and critiques, but I think, you know, part of my job on as kind of leadership staff is when something we see happens that we could learn from, we go off and now we embrace the red. Um, and again, embrace the red, just like he said, is not to find out who did something wrong or, or what, you know, it's to find how did we let this happen? How can we, what can we learn from it? Um, and, you know, and how can we share this? So, so I, I've done a number of investigations and critiques. We do do project review. Um, that can be part of being a Cheng. Um, Cross-department projects. So I'd say leadership support is one. The second is responsibility. So when I was both department Cheng and, and as Div Newport Cheng, there are certain policies that I might own. So you know, we think about there's a systems engineering instruction. I've done in this job a very significant amount of work um, learning and working on system safety. We have a Div Newport Chang Council. Uh, you mentioned the Chang Council. That's that may be you know, you know where we first met. And the Chang Council is interesting because it's the department Changs, and we meet every two weeks, and we're just looking at how do we make. How do we help our projects? So, you know, you sit on staff, but you're also saying, how do we help our projects um, and help the department? Um, and we, so we take on common themes. I was very lucky because when I came on to Chen Council, so, I'll, you know, I'll mention, you know, when you take a new job, you know, you're the new person in the job, but there are similar jobs in other departments or around you than you learn from peers and mentors. Deb Jones was the Code 34 Chang, um, and I, I leaned on her from day one, you know, so she taught me whenever anything went wrong, I would call her about system safety, or she taught me about how to do critiques. I learned, I learned a whole lot from Deb. Jackie Collins, she was Code 45. She was, it was 40 at the time. She was a locked down Chang, you know, so, you know, we all, we all have different methods and criteria, but she was a, you know, very good at processing. And she needed to be because that that department, you know, has launchers and you know external interfaces and and that based on the type of work that they were doing, as opposed to maybe a 15 or a 25, can operate a little bit more, you know, not locked down. Uh, you know, it's probably a bad term, but you know, in a slightly different way. But I learned a lot from Jackie, so you know, she um, helped me in that way. So we, 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 we work as, you, you kind of have to work the level above as a Chang. So you work as staff to help your department leadership, or I, I try to help Dave Newport leadership. You work across departments. So that was kind of what the Chang Council does. And similarly, when I was a, a department Chang, we did things like that. It's not so much as an oversight position. Like I, I've never seen the Chang as one that would go into a project and, and suggest how they operate or execute. I think that's largely a department and TPM and responsibility, but we do set some minimum standards, you know, so we can go in and, and, and so there's some consistency across the departments and we try to learn. So, so you know, there are some expectations we try to set just so we get, you know, but, but it really is more of, you know, how can we help them? Is there a facility thing or is there a, you know, a sharing thing? 
but I, I view Cheng as that role. And the third thing is initiatives. I've always taken on initiatives. So when I was in Code 25, Marie had pretty much said, you know, make sure you do your core jobs well. Those are things like risk management, putting together risk summaries, executing critiques, focus, focusing on kind of system engineering process. But, but she kind of let us run and do our strengths. So she let me run a, I was running an O&R project while I was Department Chang. That was very unique. There's but your research. It, yep. And I found joy too in that. And, you know, we were doing a, a discovery and invention project, million dollar a year, human decision making. And I applied that directly to a fleet problem at UWDC. We changed tactics, briefed it at NDIA, kind of brought people in the department in. So that was a very different role for a department Chang, but there are in certain initiatives. As Div Newport Chang, my initiatives are more along the lines of um, di helping David Toth with digital engineering transformation and John Babb helping him with that. Uh, Warfare Center collaboration. I've put a lot of time into, we have 10 Warfare Centers. Uh, I serve on the, just like we have a Div Newport Chief Engineers Council, there's a Warfare Center COP. We meet every other week, the Warfare Center Chang's. And it's very productive. We've got a lot of commonality across the Warfare Centers, similar challenges. And I had the opportunity to do a rotation where I was acting more for Center Chang. So I've, as one of my initiatives, have, have tried to put a good amount of my time into out external collaboration with the other Warfare Centers. So I think this, what a Chang does is you've got to support your boss. There's a lot of that. Uh, I have responsibilities in both the Department Chang role and as Div Newport Chang. Uh, make sure I, you know, do good there as best I can. And, but I have my own initiatives, and those I try to play toward my strengths. Every so. department's different. Every person yeah. is different. Yes. That's so great that you got to do that project. We spoke a couple months ago. I was interviewing you, kind of like a pre-interview, and you said a lot of great things, but there, you, you know, you were standing right there, and you kind of like went like on a, a tangent, and you – we were talking about S&T, and you got Jason Gomez, our CTO, sitting right next to you, and about, you know, the great work that comes out of S&T and how it's really, you know, a, um, a certain percentage of the work being done here at uh, New Div Newport and the other warfare centers. And you talked about, you know, the majority, like the role of the warfare center relies on engineering. Could you kind of talk a little bit about that and the importance of engineering in the Navy and at, at the warfare center level and, um, you know, just about how it being like a core tasking for us? Yes. So, so we are not a contractor, for example, right? We perform core government roles. We're here for a reason. And so one example is the term, if you, if you don't, if you're not familiar with the term engineering agents, it's, it's probably something good to go try to ask people about. Um, we serve a number of engineering agent roles. So those could be technical direction agent, in-service engineering agent, design agent, acquisition engineering agent. Those are government core roles. And, and I'll say that at its core, you know, we do more than this, but, I, but, but at its core for me, and, I, and I, it was Sean Stackley, I, he was a leader. Um, unfortunately, I can't remember exactly what, where he was in the Pentagon, but I always remembered he described the role of the Warfare Center 
And it's something that I I believed was, you know, it rang true with me, although we accomplish a lot of things as well, and, and we provide a lot of value. But, but for me, um, part of that core role and what he said was that we need to understand the requirements. What is the fleet need? We're uniquely positioned, and it's kind of our job to figure out what are the requirements um, that the fleet needs. And we write requirements, and we certainly inform what those requirements would be, even if it may be, um, you know, somebody else writing those higher level requirements in the government, we certainly participate. So, you know, are we executing to the right key performance parameters? Um, but what is the requirement? Our next job is to help find a solution. So that solution can be contractors, that solution could be an in-house solution, but it's to find that solution and go through the acquisition processes to bring that solution to fruition. So if it's a contractor that's building that solution, then then you know we have acquisition processes, but it but we help those acquisition processes, be it um, you know a prime contractor or even if it's if it's in you know we've got kind of a a process a modernization processes like a EPB processes whichever or we have agile now or DevSecOps, but whatever solution set. It's, it, we help bring that solution to bear, even if we're not the um, provider of the solution and we've got contractor teams involved. The other part that the government's job is to make sure it works. So when somebody delivers a product, does it meet that requirement we wrote? Is this what the Warfare Center or what the um, warfighter needs? So we certify it. Is it reliable? Is it sustainable? Will it meet availability? We have to make sure it works and meets the requirement. So that's core to what we do. Um, we deliver it, we maintain it, we modernize it. So we're the kind of um, the piece that figures out and you know what we need, let's find the solution or and help make that solution work. And oftentimes those are you know very large external contracts. We have to make sure it works and deliver it. Um, and it's our part, like I said, today it's about getting faster. So how do we get faster? If that's our role end to end, how do we make that happen faster? And there's a lot of ways to be innovative there. And I thought um, in terms of that core role, and if you go off and you find, you know, talk in your departments, you know, and ask somebody, you know, what projects are we TDA on or AEA on or ISEA on? And, and you know, I, w I would just, you know, go talk to your chief engineer in your department too, you know, and have a specific talk about, you know, which roles your department holds. But I thought I would give an analogy, so I was thinking you might come back with this one. And I was, I, I've never told it this way, so it's not perfect. But I wanted to pick a car analogy because our TD likes to... He likes, does. He likes, likes cars. <laughs> <laughs> likes to hit cars. So I said, you know, you know if, if, if Susan comes and asks me this question, so let's suppose we're at a car show. So you get these flashy, futuristic cars. The engineers get a lot of attention. You get a wow. You see innovation all over the place. Um, and some of the engineers of those companies get to work on those projects. Um, and it's important. You know, they cut their teeth. They know the bounds of what can create. It can be created. Uh, it's where we learn things. We reduce risk by trying those things. But, but that's not a large number of our, their people in a car show, right? That's not, you know, if it's Ford or whatever company it is, you know, that that's not, that that's all flashy. And, and, and sometimes, I, you know, 
So just as I said, you know, sometimes our S&T projects, they're very important. That's where we learn. That's where we learn the boundaries. It's where we do risk reduction. It's where we cut our teeth. All those things I said is important about it. But there's not a whole lot of us working there. And that's, you know, when we said, you know, we perform core government roles, most of us is not, what we do is not quite that flashy every day. This term came from Ron, and I, and I do it, but think of it in that car analogy, we're running the factory. And, and that was a term, you know, you know, Ron told John Babb, who's our DTD for TE, you know, he thinks of our role is to run the factory and, and figure out how to run the factory, you know, more efficiently. And we're building the next factory, you know. So, so in that car example, it's the assembly line. So it's, it's, you know, you think about Ford when he started, you know, it, it was, you know, the assembly line that made the car possible, you know. And, you know, we're trying to build that assembly line fast and, and get things delivered. But th I think that that's where most of us, us are working. We're taking, we see a need, we have to find what can, what can fill that need, get it built and get it delivered. And, um, and so there are lots of innovation. I've tried to say, you know, every step of the way there, it may not be the product going in the front end that we're is where we're, most of us are, make, are, are making our contributions or innovation, but we're innovating, just as I said, in how we write requirements or in the way we're trying to do things digitally to get faster or how we're bringing in automated tests or live virtual and constructive capabilities. Um, or DevSecOps. So we're innovating. We're innovating in that factory. That's where most of us are working. But that's not where the flash is um, in that car analogy. You know, we're not the ones necessarily going to the car shows. But we're, and I think, but most of us are doing, you know, you know that. We're kind of running the factory. We're delivering capability to the fleet. There's a lot of innovation there. That's where the Navy needs us. Um, I think that's where our value is. And I think that that um, puts us in a position to focus on the warfighter. And, you know, um, and, you know, that's the way I think of it. And I, I don't know if we have time. I, I always have one other analogy. Yeah, we do. I like that analogy. Yeah. But what's your other analogy? So the car show is, is the one I added because of the cars. I, I always use the Amazon analogy also. You know, the, there, there's a, we build... Some original content in the front end, but the content that gets delivered is, tends to be delivered by other people. You know, we're not designing the new TV or the Xbox or whatever, you know, Amazon might be selling. But we're putting some original content up there. But our job is, and Amazon's job is, to get it to people efficiently and quickly and figuring out kind of what they might want and get it there quickly. And so Amazon's research is going into logistics and they build drones and they figure out, you know, what kind of, you know, delivery mechanisms do we need to do in there. They're engineering box folders and they're engineering, you know, packaging lines and computers and robots. And so they're building, um, again, that factory and their research is going to be innovative because they're, that's what makes them successful. And then they add some original content in the front end. And I, I think in a large extent, that's what the Warfare Center, that's another analogy for the Warfare Center, is we're trying to get capability of the fleet quickly. And there's a lot of material out there, and there's a lot of technology and growing technology that's available. And we have to figure out which pieces of that technology to get to the fleet quickly for specific mission-engineered problems. And so um, that's our role, and that's sometimes why I like to think of our, you know, some of our research, which does, goes into kind of making that 
you know, Amazon would, would invest it in logistics. Well, we should be state-of-the-art logistics in the Warfare Center. We should be state-of-the-art at T&E in the Warfare Center. And so sometimes we don't think of it that way, but that's the way um, I think of it. So. I think that's great. Okay. That was a lot. Joe, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I hope people listen, and you had a lot of good stuff to say. I hope people listen and maybe contact you, make comments in the on our wiki page. Um, thanks for being on Tangents. Thanks for having me. Tangents. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tangents. You can find all Tangents podcasts on the Tangents wiki, and you can follow us on Fusion, hashtag Tangents.